After all this, you still... I still want that gas, yes. And you had better deliver. Smoking on that pack that killed Elon. <laughs> or is it Elon? I can't, I can't forget how to say it. <laughs> uh, Elon. Uh, Elon, yeah, okay. Yeah, I think, I don't know. But I'm going off of the Japanese pronunciation. You know, how Watch how you get banned from Twitter, you know. You... Yeah, if we, if we get too close to, you know. Spelt differently. Okay. Oh, I was I was telling Josh about that too because uh, Josh was like, "I haven't seen Kennedy on the timeline. What happened?" And it's like, "Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm banned." <laughs> Man, and like what you did sounded even like more mild than what Adi did. But I guess it was commenting on your post. That was a different one, but I think that was it, wasn't it? Or was it someone else's post? No, it was someone else's post entirely oh, that okay. got me like timed out. I deleted that account anyways. I'm permed, so dang. Um, or at least they have not given me any any indication of when I might be unbanned. <clears throat> I think I think all the all the people who had good posts are starting to get like kicked off the site slowly. And that should tell or just you leave. Or also, just though, leave. I think it's like you mentioned Blue Sky to an extent, because somebody posted that they were like uh, they posted on Twitter, hey, I've got a Blue Sky code, I'm over there more now. And when they came back, their account was locked, and that post that Twitter made them delete it. Oh. And there oh. was that whole petty period of, like, you know, preventing people from having, like, their Mastodon links and stuff like that, too. So, I'm sure, you know, he just woke up bitter one day and said, we need to, we need to do something about this. We gotta do something about this. Kennedy Cooper, <laughs> they're accumulating too much power. <laughs> you know, just as Char prophesized that new types need to leave Earth, all good posters have to leave Twitter. Indeed. Yeah, that's the only way that you can attain universal empathy and understanding. Is to leave the place where you just constantly put your stream of thought in like the most repugnant ways possible. Yeah, exactly. You gotta leave that place, and then you'll be like, "Oh yeah, other people do exist." Um. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of heading to space, we're just touching grass. Yeah. Uh, well, welcome back to the greenhouse, dear listeners. Uh, as you can tell by the title, we're back. Finally, with another Gundam episode, if the show's about anything, it's about Gundam. Uh, joining me today is co-host Josh and friend of the show, Kennedy Cooper. So glad to be here. Yeah, always, always. a great time. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm glad to be riding the wave where I want to be recording again. It's, it's been good. And it's, it's, again, I did not expect last year to have, like, you know, to be blessed with like a new Gundam series the way we got, but they put in something on Mercury on on that witch. That witch for Mercury was uh, it 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 came as soon as it went. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a little bit of a shorter one. Um, yeah, but I mean, it was a good time, I think, and you know, look forward to delving into all that. Also, sure. I think. Given its popularity, I mean, uh, even Seed is getting a new movie 18 years later. Yeah. Like, I, I, I doubt that we've seen the last of Ad Astra, right? Like, 
Yeah, though I, I was thinking, like, I mean, I, cause I watched that trailer recently, and, like, I wasn't a huge fan of the Seed art style, but I was like, man, like, they made the characters look really ugly in this movie. Especially the women. I, I did feel like the style of the movie trailer was a little... I did, I like I like. I the saw the twinks style. come back. I was happy. That's what yeah. I, I mean, I was that. I mean, like the guys, they look like the same, but like the girls all have like these weird, like their lips all look really weird. Like it was like it was like they took the criticism that like every character looked the same. Like, well, let's create, uh, let's really differentiate the women by like the most stereotypical way possible. Um. It's- yeah, I don't know. It's, it's also odd. that like it's that 2004 like style like it was it wasn't just Gundam that was dealing with yeah, it like 100 a lot of series had that just that art style yeah it's very endemic of that era um, and it's just like it's just the I think it's jarring just because it's like you didn't think to update this a little more for the movie maybe <laughs> like, right. to, like to just re- maybe revisit some of those art style choices that you made in fucking 2003. Hey, this series is 20 years old, and it's going to feel just like it's 20 years old. I mean, I'm still kind of pumped for the movie, don't get me wrong, but it's just like, I I just, I I hope that they're willing to play with it a little bit. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, because like, it's going to be like at least five. In in UC, (laughs) and even like in this like timeline, they kind of like appreciate the diversity of like human form. And I'm not saying that in like a representational kind of way, but just like every character looks distinct in like very realistic ways. And then in this like style of art, like the flatness of how human characters are drawn is weird, especially when like the mech designs in Seed are like pretty sick. And even like other mm-hmm. mech like uh, series like around the same time frame like uh transformers armada i think came out around the same time yeah there was and those designs um, are sick yeah i'm trying to think what were the big series around that i think like Full macross Metal was Mac. out there too matt I mean, macross is kind of like it's sort of I, I, I people used to call it like the rival to gundam but i don't think that's like totally fair because it's kind of like it has almost no relevancy in the west at least you know in the year 2023 i gotta be honest i always try to watch macross and i don't know something about that is hard for me to get into (laughs) oh fair enough (laughs) maybe that's why it is not as relevant as you know gundam or anything else oh you know what else was big around that time what zoids Oh, Zoids was out that time too. Oh, yeah. Zoids also kind of had that problem where the characters look kind of like a little flat and the robots looked crazy good. Well, and I think probably the best way to highlight this, like, I watched a ton of Zoids when I was a kid, and I cannot tell you what a single human character looked like off the top of my head. I'm like, I think one of them, like, the protagonist was like, he was blonde and had spiky hair. Yeah, there's definitely a blonde, spiky hair guy <laughs> around like, the center of the story. That's just I'm, luck I'm of the draw. Sure of that. I'm like, that's about all I can tell you. Can't tell you about any of the other ones, but I was like, oh, there's there was one where where that was a character. There's definitely a lady. Yeah, there was a chick. I think you know. You know. <laughs> 
think she was a love interest, you know, probably, you know, you cutie, cooties and whatnot, but, you know, yeah. But yeah, no, go back, go back and look at Zoids. That's a perfect example of just like the, the human characters are just meh mm-hmm. and the robots are just awesome. <laughs> yeah. I pulled um, it up and it's just like, yeah, like, it's. I mean, those are, that's a uh, colorful. They, they had the decency of making them look at least a little bit like there's like lanky and fat dudes. So like, okay, I can tell them apart somewhat. But then this one, again, it's kind of flat. Yeah, I think the one you were looking at before was a newer one, too. Probably. It kind of has that like newer flair to it. Okay. So, for everyone who's not familiar with Gundam, um, it's a series about gay people who are good at driving. Yeah. Well, at least one gay person that's good at driving. The other they're one, all gay. Much. For, for sure one in this series. For sure one yeah. in this series. The other one, not so much, but, you know, <laughs> she tries. Um, I think... I think... Some of these other characters are not straight. Oh, I mean, that's that's also pretty possible. There's a little bending going on for sure. I kept thinking Guel would hook up with a man, maybe. There's only so many men to go around in the show. <laughs> I think odds are that like most of the girls would, you know, have to start dating each other. Just you know, I feel just I feel sheer like, numbers. I feel like all the guys in Earth House for sure. I think Gwell had some steamy moments with some of the other male characters. The only moments I can remember him having any other male characters was his brother. Well, not him. Who's the blonde dude with long hair? I, I forgot oh, to read Gundam. Uh, I guess yeah, that was I kept thinking those two are going to kiss, right? I don't know. That seemed to be like pretty genuine animosity. <laughs> Mm, I don't know. I mean, I know, like, like, like you know, that's kind I of. I mean, a past a certain point, yeah, because it's like it, you know, after it escalated past a certain point, yeah. But some of their earlier, like, like petty fighting, where they would like meet uh, in the yeah. woods and have like a little spat and like grab each other's wrists or something. I was like, "What's going on here?" <laughs> what's yeah, up? he's like, what's when he's up? inviting Ghoul into his house, like, I mean, come on, I mean, that can only go one way, right? Um, yeah, uh, so, you know, we know for sure that some of the characters were definitely gay. I'm just saying that I, I think that there's room to speculate about some of the others. And Guel also, I mean, he, well, I don't know if we, I want to get into this yet, but let's just say Guel doesn't seem that invested in dating a woman, right? Like, just objectively throughout the course of this show from what we see of him. Well, I'm just I mean, saying. the woman he wants to date doesn't really want to date him, and he, you know, he accepts that. You know, he's not an incel, but he also doesn't exactly move on romantically, so. I think we can also understand this to be a reverse. He doesn't actually seem romantic with her. Like, it's all, it's, he's, it's always just like a businessy thing. No, 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 not, not Miriam. With Suleta. Oh, but even that, I mean, that's. I, I think he kills he kills his own father, you know, over his desire to at least attempt to date her. I think he's just confused. 
fellas. Yeah, doesn't it happen? <laughs> you ever kill your father trying you ever have to, uh, to kill your father to come out of the closet? It's more common than you think. <laughs> there's some real, there's a real Freudian thing there, isn't there? I was gonna. I'm on to something. Getting, I was gonna steal your joke and be like, if you think about it, it's actually a reverse harem anime around Marina. Um. Well, more so around Suleta, right? Because she's the one who like actually has like people. Yeah, everybody. Do, it really is a reverse harem anime surrounding yeah. Suleta. Yeah. In a lot yeah, of yeah, ways. But that works too. Mirina's just the half. object, right? Especially she's the just like the, the status yeah. symbol. Um. Yeah. <laughs> we will get into the gay themes later because we will get de- derailed now. Um. <laughs> I have another uh, thing on the on the outline that might derail us. Let me let me pull it up in, in the main screen. Or wait, no, you you can yeah, it's, it's right? there. Okay, separate. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know you know who else was gay and good at driving? Are we are we talking Fast and Furious? Let's do it. Let's a do little, it. A little fella, a tiny man. <laughs> I like to call Dominic Toretto. <laughs> oh no! Go on. Um. So okay, I got this theory. So I actually, what well, I should actually back up because Adi, I have a complex headcanon for Witch of Mercury that I haven't even explained all of because I've told oh. you about Fast and Furious a little bit, which we're we're gonna get into, but also, um. I have another part of my headcanon, which is uh, Deltron 3030, uh, uh, Del the Funky Homo Sapien and Dan the Automator's album uh, uh, that is a futuristic rap that takes place lyrically in uh, the year of 3030. Uh, He mentions um, having to flee the authorities uh, and there's th- this line that I want to quote. Uh, Don't panic. I landed on planet Mercury, gave it atmosphere, set up my headquarters. I'll never get captured here. Uh, uh, I, I want to posit the theory <laughs> that Del the Funky Homo Sapien founds the Mercury colony in which from Mercury. <laughs> Especially because we know it's a place... Four people that are running from trouble to an extent. Well, I mean, specifically the the you know, I mean, I guess Prospera's sort of nominally the main villain, um, sort of. But like, I mean, that's explicitly what they do, right? Is they flee from you know their persecution and you know do witchy things on Mercury. So, so I'm just saying, if if Delta Funky Homo Sapien had set up Mercury as a place that was relatively safe for various types of outlaws and refugees of 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 different struggles uh you know it all fits together that's all i'm saying i'm not gonna lie i expected this to be a much bigger reach but you know <laughs> yeah this is not a reach at all yeah, this, this actually a... <laughs> this is just canon this is just canon now well also he talks about mechs a, a lot on oh. the album so that's also I, uh... like i i feel strongly that uh the deltron 3030 album has a place in in Gundam canon, uh, to an extent, because he he mentions he mentions uh, 
piloting Mecca several times on this album. Um, so I just think, you know, there's a, uh, uh, there's an aspect of it that I think, uh, you know, I, it, it really, it's, it's, it's really not a reach. <laughs> Length, 60 minutes and 18. Oh, and it was released to the, I'm going to have a fun time listening to this. <laughs> oh, this, you've never heard this. I've never heard this. I, again, I'm sure I'm showing my, Honestly, I'm showing my I, I would here. love I would love somehow to listen to this together with you for your first time almost because wow you're gonna have such a time but also that probably that may or may not happen and that's okay I'm just saying though you're gonna have such a fucking time like <laughs> you this is such a magical album and it is is it is so Gundam uh a rap opera concept album set in 3030 oh hmm. this is like far uc let's go well we don't know exactly when ad astra takes place relative to our time so i'm just estimating that you know it's taking place after 30 30 this is this is now something we can peg it by yeah um <laughs> so this is part of my complex headcanon for which for mercury first of all is that uh, uh del the funky homo sapien founded the Mercury colony that Prospera flees to. Um, uh, another really important part of my headcanon about Ga Gundam now is that the entire Fast and the Furious series is a prequel to Gundam. Um, why do I say this? <laughs> Particularly, this lines up with the Universal Century, uh, but there's an extent to which you could think of it as a prequel to any Gundam. Um, <clears throat> It's because, again, okay, well, so what is a new type exactly? Um, it's like somebody who has like weird empathetic psychic powers and is really good at driving something. Like, uh, that's like generally like you're somewhere in that spectrum of stuff. Yeah. If you're getting called a new type, right? Yeah. Um, so as I was watching Fast and the Furious, I started to realize. The one and only explanation for the Fast and Furious movies is that these folks that we are watching, Dominic Toretto and his family, are new types. And if you put it into that perspective, everything makes perfect sense. Dominic Toretto literally does psychometry in, I think, the fourth movie? It's either the fourth or the fifth. You're 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 driving into this one alone. I'm afraid uh, <laughs> I have no familiarity. I've only seen Tokyo Drift. I have not so, seen the series. So so, um, at the beginning of I believe it's the fourth movie. Uh, uh someone important. I'm going to try not to spoil it too much because I guess y'all haven't seen it. But someone important to Dominic appears to have been killed, and uh, he goes to the site of this place where this person died. Apparently. And uh, there's like some skid marks on the road and a little bit of paint on the road. And he starts like touching and smelling it. And then he starts to like relive and recreate the whole accident. And I was like, this is Gundam. This is fucking Gundam. Does, now, does he ever channel the soul of this dead person into his car to like, you know, perform a particularly like yeah. impressive stunt? There are some things that kind of like cross into that territory, yeah. Like especially because like his dad's car, like there's a whole thing surrounding his dad's car and his dad is dead. Oh. Um. 
So uh, that car seems to have mystical powers chan- by, by channeling the soul of his dad, perhaps, to some extent. Mm. Um, uh, there's, there's a number of things that line up where it's just like, you know, this actually lines up one for one with something that happens in <laughs> in terms of like a new type power. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's like the way that um, Dom Toretto and his family are in the Fast and Furious series. They're not quite superheroes, but they're more than human in some way. And your family. I, I think I know that much. <laughs> I think new type ability is pretty much the only explanation for it. Um, it's just it's the only one that makes yeah. sense to me, anyway. Uh, and and uh, a mild spoiler for the ninth movie: um, they go to space. Um, <laughs> Wait, what? And. Uh, I don't want to give away too much, but uh, I like how that's where you stop him at, like the uh, point of being absurd. I don't want to give away too much, but uh, uh, let's just say if you watch this sequence of them in space, I I feel like anyone who has watched enough Gundam who goes and watches that sequence with this theory in mind would just have to confess that it does <laughs> seem quite like a new type thing that they do. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's space is apparently where, you know, mankind reaches its you know final evolutionary state, according to new type theory. So I suppose it only makes sense that that's really where they uh, manifest like the maximization of their powers. They really manifest some powers in that moment. They really do. And there's even OK, I almost forgot this part, but there's actually an incredible moment in one of the movies. I can't even remember which one because there's so many fucking Fast and Furious movies. They're all good, though, honestly. Um, uh, uh, I think it's the eighth one, maybe. Um, but uh, uh, Roman, the character of Roman, who I actually like a lot, one of my favorite characters in the series, starts to posit basically new type theory to the group. He's like, hey, have you noticed that we've gotten through a lot of really extreme situations and been kind of fine? overall and they're like yeah i guess so and he's like don't you think that's kind of odd don't you think there's something kind of unusual about that uh and they're like hmm maybe and he starts to like he starts to spin off this theory that is essentially new type theory i <laughs> swear to fucking god this and the, then the rest uh... of the group's like nah <laughs> but i'm like now i have this headcanon that it's like roman wrote some papers and those became the uh the inspiration for uh for for Xeon. <laughs> yeah. There you go, you know the the uh the Xeon Daikun of his own era. How about He that? literally sounded like Xeon Daikun in the origin a little bit as he's given this theory about like, hey, don't you think it's odd that that we've scraped through so many of these situations that seem a little improbable? <laughs> Nice. Gotta add this to the UC watch order. Start with all <laughs> Fast and the Furious movies. Start with all the Fast and the Furious movies. Then watch Gundam the Origin. The, you know, then the original. Gotta, you know, make that little interruption for, you know, Kakuru Doan's Island. I still gotta I add really that to the watch like, order. 
I really feel like if you could take any of the the main Fast and Furious cast and give them that Shinji getting the robot moment where they just have to pilot a Gundam <laughs> with no training and they do it. Like I just feel like any of them like like I think that alone just speaks to the fact that, you know, they're just they're new types, right? Like they've got that Amaro Ray thing going on where it's like, you know, I don't have to have been inside this thing before. I, I saw a couple of schematics, I can fly it. <laughs> they literally do that kind of shit all the time in those movies. So anyway, I've been excited to share that thing because uh, I really feel like there's just so many things in these movies that line up. I could go on and on, uh, but I'll cut it off here to be reasonable. Um, uh, That just line up, though, with just the way in which new types are presented, like special relationship with machines, special relationship with the dead, strange psychic abilities... Um, powers that come specifically through empathy because that's a big the whole family thing like that's a whole nother big like I didn't even hardly get into that but that's a whole big shtick of the series and it's like a lot of their powers are empathy based uh, explicitly like they'll like show up places and be like I felt you that you needed me that's new type shit <laughs> yeah I, I'm 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 sold, you know. Until I've I've been presented with strong evidence to the contrary, I think this is this is canon. While you've been explaining this, I've been literally imagining all the fast movies in like the Zeta Gundam art style, and it's it's sending me. <laughs> Here we go. That uh, you know, Netflix, you're looking for some you know quote unquote original content. Um, just animate the Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> So anyway, we'll 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 end this slight derail here, but uh I don't know, this might even be a subject we'll have to continue to explore at another time because there's really a lot to explore here to this idea. And it is just interesting to think about kind of trying to slot something in to the time before mobile suits and space colonies and think like this is the precursor. <laughs> it's just kind of fun. Yeah. Though it does somewhat, you know, contradict like the new type theory, right? That you know, it's mankind reaches its evolution in space, though. But yeah. But I think so, these these—they're not doing stuff that's as like incredible as what new types okay, can do yeah, in enough. Gundam to an extent, right? Because like in Gundam, new types are able to like, you know, shut down like sure, hundreds yeah. of mobile suits, or you know. Like perform these feats that, so I think you know it's like they're yeah, these are like these are like baby new types in the Fast and the okay. Furious. Gotcha, I feel ya. But they go to space, so that it's like I I also think the fact that they're being called to space says something, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Space is calling to them. That's like peak new type. Oh, yeah. My. That's that, oh, that's my. like you know straight up you know like, like rich dialogue rip right from UC. And and Gundam writers, if you happen to hear this podcast by some miracle, feel free to take this idea and run with it. There would have to be some, like, baby new types that would hear that call of space initially, maybe, right? That are like, I don't know. At least it's a, it's a possibility. It could be fun. <laughs> it makes too much sense, unfortunately. <laughs> or fortunately. <laughs> 
I love that I'm coming here with these two super smoked out theories about Gundam, and y'all are just like, yeah, okay. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, you know, it seems, I mean, the, the, the first one, I mean, it's just like, oh, like, the line that, like, literally, like, explains what happens in the series, and you're saying it's connected? Yeah, it's like, why not? And I was like, <laughs> not really that much of a reach. <laughs> Well, I guess we can talk about the witch from Mercury now. I I, I give approval. <laughs> I, I I appreciate that this headcanon has been raised. So let's fa- let's quickly and furiously get through. The- let's get into it. So, witch from Mercury. The the end. It ended like what? I'm like a month ago. I want to say, or like a month and a half. Like that? Yeah. Like that. Yeah. A month and a half, maybe. So Feels like it's been a while, but yeah. It's- Recent enough, but you know, it feels like you know, it's it's left a gaping hole in, in my exa- life. Definitely, yeah, definitely. So I guess let's just start with reactions to the second season itself. How did it stack up, and uh, what were your favorite arcs? I guess I'll start. Um, I really enjoyed the second season. I kind of liked the um. The different direction when I feel like some of the Earth stuff with like Dawn of Fold and whatnot maybe wasn't as elaborated upon as it maybe ought to have been. Um, I think, you know, it's kind of like one of those things where I think it wasn't necessarily crucial to the story they were telling. So they just kind of were like, yeah, like this will, you know, kind of, you know, sort of serve as like something of like a deus ex machina in terms of just getting characters into like a certain emotional state to, uh, you know, advance their arcs um i i did really like the role that like ghoul played with that though i thought that was like particularly strong um definitely and uh i mean i you know just generally you know the, the journey our, our two little uh space lesbians go of course you know gotta stand our marxist queen you know first season she founded a workers co-op second season she restores the means of production to the proletariat like uh <laughs> you know, Marine's pretty base we definitely stand. Um, about, yeah, I think those are some pretty good takes. I think I, I have complex feelings about. Part of me felt it was some parts were a little rushed, or maybe could have been a little bit more mm-hmm. developed. But then other parts of me felt like I don't know. I really tried to stay in the mindset that like this is supposed to be Shakespearean to an extent. The whole time I was watching it. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's it, you know, the Shakespeare motif was, you know, yeah, it was pretty evident. Uh, yeah, it was pretty <laughs> so, evident from the beginning. Uh, so, uh, so I, I tried to like really keep that mindset in mind. Uh, uh, and again, this is no big revelation, but it was just, you know, it was something that I was definitely thinking about. And so I had mixed feelings because like part of me wanted some stuff to be explored a little more and then other parts of me were like, no, this is pretty much just right for like the type of storytelling that they're trying to do. Mm. And I appreciated that to an extent because I actually feel like some of the types of storytelling that they pursued here are types of storytelling that are a little bit uh, underdone in modern media. Um, And... And then other parts of it felt very modern media, and I thought it was a good blend of those things. So I guess like that's kind of where I landed with a lot of season two was like I felt like it had like a, a good a good mixture of like classic and modern storytelling elements that came together relatively well, and mostly I was satisfied with it. But then occasionally I was still like, 
I think I'm happy enough, but I'm still, I kind of want to tug at the edge here. I kind of want, I kind of want them to show us like five more minutes of that. <laughs> that That's something I was thinking of too, where it's like, I think there's not really a standard number of episodes per series, but most Gundam series tend to dance between like that 40 to 50 episode mark. Yeah. And for them to end in like about 25, I was like, oh, y'all are stopping here. That's interesting. Yeah, I think before this, the only like main non like, you know, build series that ended with 24, you know, 25 ish was um, uh, Gino Reconquista, mm-hmm. uh, which was Tomino's last series. Um, that one, I think, had I think did a little bit worse with its time. Like this one felt like it was a really condensed story, right? Like, you don't you, you don't have a lot of like wasted time or wasted episodes like the way that some of those like 50 episode ones do right where like there's no not at all it it definitely i would say one thing i was consistently impressed by is i would be like wow they crammed a lot into that episode actually Mm -hmm. after every single episode without it feeling really rushed either no filler yeah yeah never felt rushed but it just never felt like there was any filler it just felt like things were happening all the time in that's tough, right? Because some of the, like you say, it's like some of the 50 episode arcs, they've got these episodes that are just kind of throwaway, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and like uh, Iron-Blooded Orphans comes to mind as like having a number oh. of episodes that are just like slowed, it just seems like for the sake of killing time. Yeah, and that one and, and a few others are definitely guilty of this too, where it's just like, it has like a bloated cast which I don't really feel like was the case here. And I know, like, I on Reddit as, like, the season was um, about halfway through, and people were like, oh, there's got to be, like, a season three because they got to flesh out, like, Shadik's harem. And I'm like, I could not be less interested in a group of <laughs> characters than Shadik's yeah. harem. Like, you know, I do not want a season if... devoted to fleshing them out. Like, that sounds awful. It's actually fine if some of them are just bit characters defined by tropes yeah. that you can understand easily like that's actually and that's exactly what they were <laughs> like um uh and the fact that a couple of them got to rise above that a tiny bit is cool mm-hmm. um yeah. but it doesn't mean that we need to like actually like they're they're not like all the people who wanted shadik's harem tell me what's actually interesting about any of those characters you can't <laughs> like if you know <laughs> um, exactly like they served the story well and they and they were fine and some of them even seem to have personality and motivation of their own at times and that's all good but whatever they all piloted grunt suits that tells you everything you need to know <laughs> that's yeah, all that's, you know? that's really it if you didn't at least get a custom demi trainer you're out <laughs> facts facts well you know they had their um they, they like some of them switched because like they they had like the uh though they did have one of my favorite scenes in the show where um one of like the like basically the police is like fighting them and he's like you pathetic students are no match for us i was like wow like what a punch down like <laughs> yeah i'd say i'd say that arc and then like the arc where ghouls trapped on earth are probably like the best ones in this season I think, like, a side story where they explore some of the, um, 
stuff on yeah. Earth would be cool. Yeah, like cool. the one thing I was disappointed by was like that that ghoul on Earth episode, like the like second like lead character, like Olcott, he just never shows up until like the last episode again. And I was like, that was really yeah. disappointing because he seemed like he had like a story to like tell and was worth telling, but they're just like, oh no, he just shows up at the end where they're just like, oh hey, we got what we want. I guess we're no longer terrorists. Well well here's here's another thing that I was thinking of like just now is like Considering like how much it costs to make media now, especially and like for an anime mm-hmm. of that quality and style, how much of it do you want to chalk up to like budget issues too? Uh, hard to say. So, where it's like, let's just wrap it up here, and then if there is like interest for it, we can pursue it as like a sequel movie, yeah, or a sequel yeah, series, yeah. or like as a I, manga or something. I am kind of curious if there's certain things that like there, there's certain things that feel like there was production issues. I don't know if they were necessarily budget or what, but like I felt um, like Delling's virtual absence from the second season, like you know mm-hmm. he was put in a coma and whatnot, but like it felt like he was a character that like felt really weird to just completely sideline. Right, you never get like. That direct conversation. Never see him be young again felt like a weirdly missed opportunity. Like in the prequel, we see this like glimpse of young Delling. Yeah. And I always thought, like, will we ever get like a little glimpse into young Delling again? Like maybe he reveals something about himself to Miorin when he comes out of the coma. And it was like it was weird because it was like you know season one especially when it like ends with like oh him and Prosper are working together it's like oh like there's clearly something different about that Vanitas incident than what we thought but then it's like no I'm actually like interested in like revenge against your father and ruining his life um, but he, he never gets to really like do anything again like he wakes up he you know helps I guess but like I feel like as I said to me it was like was there some issue of like casting availability for him or something Possibly, yeah. um like it was just like one of those things where i was like it felt really bizarre that he just became such a non-factor i did like his final bit to an extent but even there he felt a little underutilized yeah 100%. um um but uh yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I felt like there was some underutilization there. Um, honestly, I was a big fan of Miorin's second season, just general mm-hmm. journey. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, like, she kind of starts that season in this very complex place. And she's feeling very judgmental towards Suleta. And, you know, uh, I, I thought it was like a really good arc in terms of uh, her just kind of like learning to accept her own place and all of this stuff. Yeah. And like, yeah, like actually like you don't really get to call yourself like a person with clean hands and you haven't been able to say that since your birth. And that's not fair necessarily, but like it is your reality. Uh, and like you may want to feel like you have clean hands to an extent, but like really you don't. And it's like once the blood is directly on her hands, I think she sees more directly. It's like, well, it was kind of always there to an extent. Like, yeah, and I think that's kind of what drags her out of like that, like really deep depression that she's in for like a couple episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, is probably that realization in part. 
Um, and, you know, I think Suleta kind of helps her, like, come to grips with that and whatnot. And that, like, you know, not that it's, like, you know, totally okay to, like, you know, have blood on your hands. But, like, you know, it's, you know, like, it's life goes on. And, you know, it's kind of like what you, you know, make of that, right? You have to kind of, you know. Yeah, and it's, it's the burdens of leadership, right? Like, you yeah. have to accept responsibility for what, what, you know, what comes with that, <clears throat> you know? And, like... <clears throat> Uh, I think, you know, what Miorin sees ultimately there is that, like, Suleta was more willing to accept those responsibilities, and that doesn't make her all bad, but also she was accepting them for a bad reason, and Miorin needs to fight that. She needs to fight the reason, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I like that whole arc. Um, and I think, I don't know, probably generally my favorite moment from season two was just uh when uh suleta and guel have a sword fight <laughs> it was like a friendly match yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's a time honored gundam tradition to have the fencing duel at some point and i love that it was a proper fencing duel though like yeah, yeah. like they had the fencing uh, masks <laughs> they had the masks and like the way that it was scored like that, that's actually not unlike how Olympic fencing is scored now. Uh, yeah. And I was, I did Olympic fencing in high school, so I'm a nerd about this. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, um, I never got to use the electronic jackets because I didn't go to a fancy high school. But uh, I would go to matches and see them used sometimes. And it's like, yeah, it's like, it's kind of automatic like that. And so I don't I love that whole thing <laughs> very cool it was just very fun very fun you could tell you know one of the great things about gundam in general is they do their research on details mm -hmm. and it was just like one of those moments where it's like as somebody who has done competitive fencing like that i was like damn they really nailed a lot of this <laughs> just just in these small ways well, and their attention to details, I mean, it's kind of a side uh, sidebar from this series, but it's it's partly why it's taking, uh, you know, the better half of a century to get our the rest of our Hathaway movies, because they're like, oh, well, you know, this takes place, you know, like, this movie takes a lot place, like, on, like, Ayers Rock, so, like, the whole cast and crew has to go there. It's like, right, you know, you just wanted to build in a vacation, we get it, like... <laughs> well, I mean, even, even in the first Hathaway film, like, the Philippines yeah, references yeah. were, like... Like, I was talking about them, like, uh, people I know who are Filipino, and they're like, well, that's a deep cut. Why would they just put, like, yeah, a Jollibee in this movie for no reason? <laughs> You're telling me in Universal Century they still have Jollibee? What's going mm -hmm. on here? Like, um, and and uh, to Kennedy's point as well, oh, sorry, that was a digression. Um, a good digression, though. Um, the other arc that really stands out in this season is I think the way Soleta has to come into her own mm -hmm. after basically being a pawn in everybody's game. Yeah. Um, it's kind of heartwarming. And it's also like the way I'm starting to process, which for Mercury is like, they learned all the mistakes from seed and like, didn't repeat them. So, you know, it's like for like a, a protagonist to sometimes appear empty or like always on the right side of things that's a constant problem that shows up so having soleta be like a pawn in people's game despite being the protagonist like it, it lends something to why she's always gung-ho and like ready to fight even in situations that don't make sense 
And then for Stiletto to, like, really reckon with it, but, like, come away from it all as, like, yeah, life goes on. Like, you know, you, you can feel bad about it, but if you stop, things could get worse. Which I think is sweet, endearing, and also from yeah. a writing standpoint, very simple to get you going in the plot. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, it's one of the things that, like, kind of not just Seed, and Seed's maybe not as guilty as some others, but, like, oftentimes a lot of Gundam shows, their protagonist sort of lacks, like, a coherent ideology. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they're just kind of along for the ride to, like, you know, do the hero thing. Seed once um, again, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. like, you no, know, like, there, like, the ideology was kind of, you know, it, it existed, but it was just very simplistic, like, you know, pacifism. Uh, whereas here, like, and I, I don't honestly know that, like, you know, Suleta has, like, you know, deep political thoughts about anything, but, uh, you know, you at least <laughs> get the idea that, like, you know, yeah, like, there's things that she cares about and, like, that she's willing to, you know, you know, even, like, you know, it's, like, you know, towards, like, her mother and, you know, gene donor, sister, whatever, uh, <laughs> however you want to describe spoilers, that. Spoilers, spoilers. Uh, yeah, spoilers. Um, I mean, I figured, you know, it's kind of a, a disclaimer <laughs> in general for this episode. Um, but, you know, where it's like, you know, kind of her desire to protect them is kind of, um, you know, it's somewhat against their will, right? Like, they're like, you know, yeah, we're going to, like, you know, b- use a super weapon and, um, you know, we don't, you know, kind of, you know, the end goal of that isn't 100% clear. I mean, that definitely seems to be some type of, you know, domination of, you know, the uh, Ad Stella Arab or whatever. But, um, you know, she's willing to, you know, contradict their stated goals to kind of protect them ultimately. Yeah. And it, it kind of leads us to one of our, I mean... Gundam has somewhat like, happy endings are more common than not, but it has a really that, undeserved, awful reputation, and it's really rooted in like a couple series. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that's really, uh, I feel like that's really on 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 point because like a lot of the series, I mean they. A lot of them have more so, like, than anything, just kind of bittersweet endings. Yeah. yeah. Like, you think about, like, the unicorn ending is very bittersweet. Um, but most of the characters that you liked survived. Yeah. And, like, clearly are going to go on to live full lives, you know? Like, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, 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 to say that it has, like, a sad... And, like, they do accomplish some things, and, you, you know, it's like... Yeah. So it's like there's there's a bittersweetness to it, but it's not like it's not like it feels at the end of Unicorn like it was all for nothing, nor do you feel like all your favorite characters were just ripped away from you in the ending or anything like that. Yeah. Um uh that's one of my favorite series, so I'm just starting there. Well, um, and that one's going to probably come up again because the ending of this one is very uh very parallel to that one, I think. Has a lot of parallels, I think in some ways. Um uh <clears throat> Yeah, I think most people fixate on the ending of Zeta as just being like, oh, it was really bad. But it's like... And IBO in recent memory. IBO and IBO. To be Um, honest, though, uh, uh, Zeta's ending made sense. It made perfect sense. Plus, they they undid it. It's confusing, too, though, because one of the most popular beloved series that gets, you know, praised to this day is 8th MS Team, Mm. which literally has a total happy ending yeah yeah <laughs> right like 
Hey, he uh, loses a leg. That's not that happy. All the all the bad. Well, still. <laughs> I mean, it's it. There's there are bittersweet aspects to eighth MS teams ending, but like literally, there's an extent to which you get the romantic ending that you were hoping for and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, several of the characters kind of go on to decent endings. It seems like most of the bad guys die, and I don't know, like. If if a lot of the good guys seem to ride off in the sunset and a lot of the bad guys die, that's a decent ending, right? I mean, like, you yeah. Know? I mean, I think that's like, like. I mean, I know it's like the kind of primitive read, but I mean, that's that's kind of. I mean, yeah. I mean, how else would you put it? Like, I mean, I will say that like it's good that a lot of people got to walk away redeemed uh, in the ending. Like, it's it's. I like a no yeah. one is beyond redemption plotline. Yeah. Um, plus, like, if you consider like just how much like gut wrenching shit happens in this series, I'm okay well, with especially like, in, like the direct lead up to it. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> We're talking like death on a mass scale in some events. It's like, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't need like a big all out bloody battle in the finale. I will be okay without it. Yeah. Totally. Um. Uh. I thought. <clears throat> The slightly mellow, relatively happy ending was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I again, I don't think it's super out of place in Gundam. I think it's just, I think it stands out simply because so very many of the characters that we liked got some kind of positive resolution, which is mm-hmm. that's, I think that's a little bit rare, right? Like a lot of times. Well, yeah, I think a lot of the redemption in this one too is pretty rare. Usually, the villains just die. Maybe they redeem themselves as they die, but they, <laughs> they right? Don't like get most to, like, of the villains that. got to like go on to something here. Yeah. Um. Uh. Uh. And that was kind of cool. And so, yeah, I think like a lot of the Gundam series, it ends with like, you know, a few of the main characters are kind of like accomplishing the last of the things and then we find out about their story or whatever, but we don't necessarily hear about everybody. It was kind of nice here how it was like, here's everybody you've basically ever seen, what they're up to now, three years later. (laughs) Like, that was kind of (laughs) sweet. Yeah, and it wasn't like, you know, I thought it was realistic, too, where it's like, oh, yeah, like, there's a lot of work to do to, like, you know, kind of make things better in this timeline and whatnot. It's not just like, oh, yeah, you know, Soleta made some magic happen in some Gundams, and uh, the world is fixed uh, completely, 100%, you know, no problems. Yeah, and kind of like 8th MS team, Suleta's body is not quite the same, although she at least seems to be on the track that, you know, perhaps perhaps she'll have full use of her body eventually with enough you know uh feature medicine and physical yeah. therapy and etc uh but still i mean it's like you know there's a little there there are some aspects that parallel some of that too if sure i also just i think the the visuals in that final scene against quiet zero I still don't mm-hmm. fucking know how permit works. And we're going to get into how I don't fucking understand how <laughs> permit works. But it was like, uh, uh, again, like to have like those visuals of like the permit fading into dust and then like oh, there's like this the like rainbow. Actual, yeah. And also like uh, for the Caliban final suit like that uh, Soleta has, it's white and it's like got all this like rainbow stuff going on. I'm like very gay, very beautiful. I love it. <laughs> I thought it was a b- visually stunning finale, even though I have no idea what the fuck happened. 
Um, so I, th- I think we hit everything. Um, I also think that this is going to be like a good timeline for side stories. Like they left it just open-ended enough where there's a ton of things you could fit side stories or even like sequels into. Oh yeah. Yeah. We yeah. Have and, all kinds um, of stuff. yeah, I mentioned that, uh, I put on the outline that there is uh, a current ongoing manga, Vanity's Heart, which is. Um, I've read the first two chapters. Um, it, it, it's decent. Um, it's actually, I, I can't say it, like it's kind of a prequel. Like it's in between the prologue and the main series. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. So it's I was following that that time might get explored in particular. Yeah, so it's following like this uh, like scientist that was like with uh, you know the Vanitas Institute, um, and I guess um, her patient. Um, I can't remember if the patient, it's a, it's a child, um, but then it, they pilot uh, a version of the Lifrith, um, the Lifrith mm. Chew, which is, uh, if you've seen the kit for that, um, it's got like this massive, um, like arm that it can hold that like does like finger guns and is like kind of silly, but really cool, um, at the same time. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of like the story they've been telling and that's like mostly on earth. Um, it kind of, um, be cool if maybe they made a movie out of that or something. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they they always do. Like, pretty much every Gundam series has had some type of side story that's, like, you know, a little bit more less, like, stakesy in terms of, like, the macro effect on the timeline. Um, most of them don't get animated. Um, I mean, Astray uh, enjoys, uh, what, uh, 10 minutes of animation, um, I think, to this day. It's good, though. Good ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, a commercial. Uh, <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> and then, just just quickly, um, who were your favorite characters from the series, and what was your favorite mobile suit? Gosh, um, I um. I mean, Sula and Mirian are kind of, you know, obviously those, you know, two, those two are pretty great. Uh, Ghoul, um, I mean, it's kind of hard to like narrow it down. Ghoul was great. I liked both of the, uh, well, like I guess the the two uh, enhanced person, not Elon's Elon's, so like the four and five. Um, I thought I, I thought I enjoyed like the contrast they had, and I kind of liked, you know, Fifth had a, a I, I think he had a a pretty decent arc. It wasn't maybe as pronounced as ghouls, but I, I kind of enjoyed, you know, seeing him go from like this kind of creep to someone who actually, you know, cares about people mm-hmm. <laughs> other than himself. Um, and uh, I mean, Prospera, I think is probably, you know, up there in terms of like, I think one of the better Gundam villains and better char clones in general that we've gotten mm-hmm. uh, mobile suit wise. I mean, as you said, the Kalamans really was a really nice one. Uh, I, I always really liked the fire act too. And, uh, the uh, Daro blade uh, as well that that ghoul used I thought was also pretty nice. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of weird as like the the red mobile suit not really being like associated with like a main antagonist, but you know here we were. <clears throat> yeah, totally. Um, I thought um, you know I I definitely want to draw attention to just the main characters were very strong. Suleta and Miorin really deserve some attention just because. Some Gundam series do suffer from a bit of a weak protagonist, and we didn't have that problem here. Yeah. Um, I really liked uh, Shadik also. Uh, and uh, also, I wanna, uh, I thought Shadik was a really well realized villain that felt 
you know, not like a like a like a pure evil with you know, but like a very sure. complex villain that I very much enjoyed getting to know. Um, uh, and uh, in and I would say his plots kept me on my toes more than any of the other sort of villainous characters. I think. Um, I even like Prospera. I saw a few more of her twists coming, whereas some of Shadik's plots caught me off guard and I was like, oh, this is great. This really throws things uh, into a complex situation when I thought they were going to be simpler. Uh, so I, I ended up enjoying that character a lot. And I want to shout out Choo Choo. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, was a big, I was a big Choo Choo stan. Choo Choo did nothing wrong. Choo Choo did nothing yeah. wrong at any point in the show. I did love with her where everyone like, because the characters that she like punched out um from uh i don't i can't remember where they were from but like the one that she like knocked out like none of them were seen for like until like the last couple episodes so everyone just thought like she legit just killed them (laughs) Uh, but then she did show then they did show up and she like you know helped feed them after the uh you know traumatic events at the school and uh, i was like oh you know first first london with a school shooting it took Jesus long enough, right? right. No. Most most American Gundam series confirmed. No kidding. Uh, but yeah, Choo Choo, I think they did a good job with her of like, you know, she's the person that's she's kind of got the intolerant attitude towards Spatians, but she's softening up as she meets Suleta. And it's like that art could have been simpler, but they did a good job with it. Even well, and if she they wasn't like too far into it. And she wasn't uh, really an important character either. So, like, the fact that they did put as much effort into her, I think, was really appreciated. Yeah, and 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 they they just they gave a lot of details that that character that I appreciated in general, and I just felt like, uh, uh, she had just she was just like a very great supporting character in so much of the second half in particular, um. And, uh, of course, she's got pink hair, so, you know, uh, we're from the same uh, genetic line. So, uh, So I have to take her side for that reason as well. Uh, and she kind of drippy with the hoodie. A little bit, yeah. So is, is uh, Choo Choo going to be your firstborn's name, or? No. but but i i really felt like choo choo was a character that i felt like a lot of the earth house characters got to shine in their own small ways but i thought choo choo Mm. in particular uh shown especially bright as a great supporting character for this show uh and then as far as suits go well first of all big time caliban uh I love the Caliban Gundam when that came out at the end. I thought that one looked dope. Yeah. I thought that was like great refinement of the the Lefrith look. I I will say it is weird that having that giant like uh gun with like thrusters on the end literally made it like a witch's broomstick. Yeah, very deliberate. So very deliberate. Very deliberate. Very on the that nose. It was so sick. It was sick, honestly. No, people, I've seen people only, only, slight, only slightly more subtle than some G Gundam designs. 
And I also like the vibe of the Calabarn. It like like it had that like tall geese feeling, you know. Mm-hmm. It felt dangerous in that way, but it also felt like a beast that maybe you yeah. could make friends with in some way. But only in that way, like where a it's unicorn, like... the tall geese. If they had a love child, that's what it would be. <laughs> yeah, but it's like a. It's like you can't really tame it. It's like a predator, you know. It's the the the, mm-hmm. the nope thing. You can only enter a contract with it, right? Like it had that vibe with the Calabarn. Like, like you are not gonna tame this thing. You might be able to work with it for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I was I was a really big fan of that one. Um. Uh. I would say. Um. I'm trying to think of outside of that. Um, honestly, I kind of liked Pale's stuff, the Zowart, and of course the Feract. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought Grassley's systems were also kind of cool. Like, I'm not always into that kind of Evangelion sort of look, but I thought that the Grassley systems. They kind of landed the sweet spot where it's like it still looked like Gundam shit, but it looked mm-hmm. a little bit, just a little bit different. Um, but I also yeah, like that in particular they had like a little bit of kind of a feudal. Yeah, feel they look. They have a very. They look like a streamlined version of like the Crossbone Vanguard from F ninety one. That's very much the vibe that they're seeing. Yeah. Not to be confused with the Crossbone Vanguard that, you know, has the Crossbone Gundams, but their predecessors who are, you know, Cosmo-aristocrats in their own. So, yeah, I thought a lot of the Grassley suits were kind of were kind of lit as well. So I think that's where I land with that stuff. Calabarn Gundam, definitely those, just, that's my favorite. I, I do have to admit, I do have a soft spot for the Liffer of Thorn, too. Um, the little chicken-legged one. Uh, I know oh, yeah, everyone yeah. hated it. And I, I just, I, I just found it really charming. Uh, I was wrong. I did expect that the uh, those two, the Earth Lifrifts, were going to combine, just with their exaggerated proportions, <laughs> because I was like, oh, it would, you know, one has really long legs, the other doesn't, like, and then nothing happens. So you know, that yeah. would not have shocked me either, because the one also kind of had the bulky shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like that would like fill out the design, right? And it just never happened. <laughs> but I think you know they 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 probably even maybe considered that, but they they didn't want to go with those folks as like the main villains. So um, yeah, oh, they, they very quickly so, made that choice, right? I mean, one of them died pretty early on to season two. Uh, I guess let's go. Okay, actually, I see. I was gonna mention something, but it's in this list, so I guess let's well, get let's, into let's, let's get uh, Adi's. Uh, little favorites uh, oh, yeah adi i i think like um it's very hard to pick favorites in a series like this i'd say by far my favorite mobile suit would have to be the just the og aerial i love the how the caliban looked i even like the aerial rebirth rebuild but there was just something like nice about seeing like the og gundam colors like reimagined because that was mm-hmm. the whole goal with this series is like Let's bring Gundam to like an audience that has never seen it before and probably yeah. like is gonna project expectations based on the old material. So like if I, I love seeing like the the main Gundam being reimagined, I think that's cool. Yeah. Um yeah. and again, just like the shield being able to transform into like 
the different bits and you can use them as armor as remote weapons i thought was always cool. it is hard to choose though because literally every mobile suit looked good i thought yeah there, there yeah. really wasn't any duds and they they were all like they did the cool thing where the mobile suit matches the personality of the character piloting it so it's like who's your favorite character unfortunately it's Saletta. like <laughs> that's a, that's how i look at it but i think like i think ghoul is also a strong one Mirana was also a really strong character i think i like everyone in earth house was cool um Shadik did nothing wrong that's very controversial but that's me <laughs> But yeah, I think like by far, by and far, Saleta is like one of my favorite. I don't know if I'm gonna go all the way to Shadik did nothing wrong, yeah, but no. I am in the free Shadik category. So if that, <laughs> I, I came around him in the end, but like he was definitely one of those characters. Yeah, that the I middle kinda, like, of the series. <laughs> in the middle of the series, where I was just like, yeah, like this guy's kind of a scumbag, but like it was like in a way that I was like, this is like good though. Uh, but it was like, yeah, like, I mean, I, I understood some of his motivations. I think he, you know, it kind of, it was more so I think he wanted to be the center of them rather than just be like, you know, this like, you know, and it, it, he kind of falls into that like sort of personally privileged revolutionary trope a little bit, um, which is not, you know, mm. far from a, you know, uncharted territory in Gundam, but. Yeah, and obviously that draws from real historical stuff very well yeah. in, a, in a lot of ways and um you know i i, I think that uh, again free shadik but i don't know if i could say he did nothing wrong because i think that shadik's misogyny must be examined adi oh, the, the guy's, should, the guy's a, should. He, he's a total incel too i mean like yeah, <laughs> yeah no like I, I, I said i said that as a joke like honestly like when shadik was like orchestrating the know, plot and like <laughs> i know i know <laughs> I, but I mean, the, man, like, the man facilitated a school shooting, Adi. He literally <laughs> did. He literally did. Um, I I also say yeah, that, like, the you know what? <laughs> wait, wait, is this? Hold on. There were two shooters, and then there's one conspirator, Shadik, who sets the whole thing up. Is this based on the Columbine conspiracy, where there was that? There, third we, guy there we go. There we go. Oh my god. <laughs> the parapolitics oh, of Witcher no. Mercury. Here we go. Um, in all seriousness, like, I think also the villain synergy is really good because, like, usually you have, like, a factional enemy and you have, like, the military mm -hmm. leaders in those factions and you would, you know, assemble your hierarchy of evil based on that. Here, because Ancapistan is the setting, it's actually, like, funny to see how, like, there's multiple competing cliques of villains who it's like will all turn on each other if given the chance. It's like the top of the power structure is like the villain in this, right? Because that's really yeah. like all the villains are just like it's whoever's at the top, right? You know, Shadik's sort of at the top of his little, you know, component of it. The, uh, you know, Prospera's at the part top of hers. Um, and then you have like kind of the uh, National Assembly League at the very, very end. Right. Um, which is, you know, kind of a little different too, but. You know, it's it's mostly it's like the, or or I mean like I like the fail hags right are also kind of um, you know, you said pale hags and not fail hags right that that would have been funny. What was that? <laughs> you said pale hags and not the fail hags. Right? I, I meant fail, but I might, I oh, might have mispronounced it. But uh, no, the uh, the fail hags. You know, I'll just shorten that to fags. Um, oh, you know, rale. <laughs> I, I'd rather I'd rather you say it than me. <laughs> <laughs> But 
but uh yeah i mean like those i mean like and like their whole thing right is such that they represent sort of like this like they're like kind of living embodiments of corporate greed right and, like right, literally right. literally using humans as resources and disposing of them when they're not you know no longer profitable yeah I liked that even real Elon was just like, at the end, he was just like, yeah, I'm out. I took a job yeah. at Jetterick. Y'all are fucking crazy and weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, you know, thanks for the clones, but... Um... But, uh, peace. This is too much even for me. I need to get me some of that Earth coochie. You feel me? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um... So I guess let's get into our extended discussion, right? So I think we talked a little bit about this, which is the series, you know, was intending to bring in a new audience for Gundam, but took a new route in setting up the story with the Academy plot um, and tried to avoid being like a formulaic retelling of Universal Century. So did it work? Did it maintain a fundamental understanding of what made Gundam? Uh, I thought it did a pretty good job in terms of I know a lot of people that watched this that either had no Gundam or little Gundam experience. <clears throat> I'm not saying it captured absolutely everybody. Uh, uh, but, you know, just in my, ex in my experience, it seemed like a lot of people that hadn't previously necessarily given that much of the time of day to Gundam... Uh, gave this a chance and enjoyed it. Um, and so I definitely saw some people picking this show up in exactly the way that they seem to be hoping for. So I think mm -hmm. from that perspective, I have to say that it, it was at least somewhat successful. Uh, and I do think that it overall did a good job of introducing folks to um, a lot of the concepts of what Gundam is about. Uh, uh, and things like that. I think one of Gundam's problems, though, that they still struggled to navigate here to an extent is their whole timeline situation. Mm -hmm. uh, that's confusing as fuck to people that don't know about it yet. Whenever <laughs> I start to try to introduce some to that to somebody who doesn't understand it yet, they're always so fucking confused. Um... Uh, and it's not that it's that complicated, but it's just that on face value, it's just one of those things that just obfuscates and I, just makes people, it just, I think it, it leaves a lot of people feeling like they don't know what to watch. And it's because funny because it's, it's set up, I think, in order to make it easier to watch, right? Because it's like, you know, it's like you don't have to, like, if you want, like, minimal baggage, here's... XYZ timelines, right? You know, this one, you know, wing, whatever, like anything that just stands alone. Um, but then, you know, you see is like, if you want the bag, it's like, okay, I'd like, you know, figure that watch order out. Um, you know, I, I mean, it's kind of, uh, but I yeah, I think it's issue, just though. when you talk about it as like timelines versus just like, because it's like, I, I get that they set it up as like these different like points of entry, I think is like the main idea. But I think, uh, and I think, you know, just sort of like the sort of mainstream nature of like multiverses with, you know, all of like the comic book movies now. Right, and stuff right. Like that right now, I think that might further obscure things where people are like 
expecting like crossovers that are unlikely to happen uh, outside of the context right. of video games and, and yeah, build divers situations yeah but in, in oh. there like the crossovers are just like you know cameos not so much like you know right it's not really yeah yeah um it's not really like the universes themselves actually colliding right um uh yeah and i think part of the issue too is it's it's that it's not clear to folks on the outside which ones are which i think is a big part of the problem and sure. and on a casual glance like, if you showed somebody five minutes of, like, six different Gundam series and then asked them to tell them apart, they'd all be like... They, uh, somebody who had never seen any of them before would just be like, that was all the same show. Right? <laughs> or, like, the standout would just be, like, the animation style changes. Um, but not even so much that they'd be able to tell the timelines apart, but, like, you know... Right, they might be like, unicorn, you might not older, that make one's the connection. newer. Yeah, you, you know? might not necessarily make the connection that, like, oh, yes, that original show from the 70s is connected to this. But if you showed somebody, like, some of the some of the designs from Gundam Wing, and then you showed oh, yeah. them some of the designs from the original Mobile Suit Gundam, and you said, oh, these are not from the same show, and they don't know anything about this yet, they're just going to be confused. Well, and even their first entry point into, like, those alternate timelines, right? Like, G-Wing and um, X, like, look very similar. Because like, they were animated around the same time, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, G Gundam and Wing look very similar in a lot of ways. And yeah, totally. So it's like, <clears throat> I don't think that this show did anything to help that in particular. <laughs> um, and in fact, like, I, I, I found that, like, one of the conversations that I had over and over again in trying to get people into Witch for Mercury is they'd be like, well, what do I have to have watched to have seen it? And I'm like, oh, no, no, this one's completely standalone. And it's like, I think even though they tried to advertise that to an extent, like that was just still not clear to a lot of people that I talked to uh, in my experience, uh, especially early on. You know, I think over time as the show, you know, got out there and more, there's more conversation about it, obviously that helps. But like in the early days when there's only a couple episodes out and you're trying to tell people about it, a lot of people were like, well, I've never seen a Gundam before. Can I watch this, basically? And I just don't think that this show did much to help with that problem in any significant way. <laughs> Fucking normies, man. Um, <laughs> honestly, there's always something like that's imposing about timelines hmm. and like canon. Yeah. Any, anything that list that's been going this long is imposing inherently. I'm I'm remembering an argument I got into with with somebody a really dumb one where it's just like how does the Legend of Zelda timeline work? And it's like, it doesn't matter if it works. If they're just games. But this person had these expectations from watching Marvel movies, right? That, like, doesn't it all cross over and coalesce at some point? So, I don't know if you can necessarily stop people from having expectations based on that, but that is, like, the oft-asked question for, like, newcomers into Gundam, which is, like where do I begin with this? And truth be told, like, if the three of us were asked, like, what was the first thing you saw? You know, I, the first thing I saw was SD Gundam, which is like the, this like <laughs> animated show for like mainly directed at kids it has nothing to do with any of the timelines. Um, Other than just and, recycling their designs and yeah, basically, basically, up a bit. basically. Yeah. so it's like, 
And um, like that got me into the rest of the series. And like again, yeah. has nothing to do with it. Not even the same themes. Like night and day. The only thing that maintains um, Gundam series across timelines is just the V-Fin, if even. <laughs> uh, first thing I ever saw was Wing. Yeah, mine was G, so, you know. Three different things. Three yeah. completely different series, not even in the same wheelhouse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh. Joshua added this. Seated oh, mostly, but maybe not in every way. Yeah, I so I added this because you had mentioned that kind of like, you know, unlike uh, C, this didn't really kind of go for like the retelling of UC. But I did think, uh, so like there's a couple other series that kind of, well, there was Double O is very much like, um, yeah, I don't know if, uh, Kennedy, if you've watched it. And I know you obviously you've watched Wing, but like. I have watched um, Double O, but oof. <laughs> well, anyways, like the double O, like a lot of people kind of point out, like there's a lot of parallels with it and um, Wing, right? It's kind of like you know you've got like the similar structure, you got like you know the more shonen protagonist style like team, um, similar themes and concepts through that. And this, uh, it, I had seen someone like kind of mention this, and I, like I was already kind of putting it together in my mind that this series has a fair bit of parallels of G Gundam. Um, and what, what made me think of it was I had watched a clip where, uh, someone was playing, uh, uh, SD Battle Alliance and they had Suleta with, uh, Domon on their team. And like, there's like mm. those little character interactions and their interaction was just like reciting, like the start of like their battle thing. Right. Like, so he's like, you know, Gundam fight, ready, go. And she's, you know, the scales of Libra and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, from this. And I was like, you know, I was like, it's. Like, it's kind of similar. You've got, like, these like more, like, formalized structures for, like, you know, it, it, how people fight and whatnot. It's not supposed to be lethal or deadly. Um, the way conflict is done, right, in G Gundam, it's basically whoever wins this, you know, battle royale gets to control the world, right? They just get one mobile suit to fight in there, and whoever wins this tournament gets to... Uh, you know, run the entire Earth sphere on all the colonies, and Earth is sort of the backdrop for the conflict. In this show, you have like sort of the uh, what was it? They called it arms partitioning on Earth, where like yeah. you sort of have this conflict there, kind of just to justify the need to produce weapons. Um, and you know, Earth is kind of just this backdrop, right? It's they have Earth itself has no political power. It's all up in space, just like in G Gundam. Um, it's kind of tied to whoever has like the best technology and whatnot. And I was like, I think there's a lot of themes that definitely ran uh, parallel there, in my opinion. I think that's fair. I haven't seen G Gundam yet. So no, there's I... definitely some parallels to G Gundam. Uh, it was, it was, it was apparent. I felt. Um... Obviously, it's different in a oh, yeah. number I mean, of ways. It is but, different in a number of key ways, but I think there is enough there, share. I, I still think that there's there are some key parallels that sort of lined up, and I think especially just that motif, of course, of just of of challenging someone to a duel, it being this kind of formal thing, as opposed to like a a, a battlefield or a war crime. Yeah, um, you know, obviously that 
draws some parallel to G Gundam. And the way in which they, I mean, just the manner in which it was conducted just felt a little G Gundam-esque. So I, I, I can see it. I can definitely see it. Um, uh, yeah. I think, I think double I think O that. Gundam. <laughs> Someone told me it's like, what if like the Justice League was Gundam? And I'm like, I don't know about that. For the for G Witch? For double O. If the Justice uh No, I don't feel the Justice League is that active, like that proactive. <laughs> because it's like it's it's kind of like what if the Illuminati had mobile suits? It's probably more so double O's thing. Yeah, that probably makes more sense. It is kind of like Jewish conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. Jewish conspiracy, but they, but they keep the peace. They use Jewish space lasers on their Gundams for the peace. Which may may or may not have contributed to my distaste for it. Uh, um, yeah, there's some weird... Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, that, that's probably a, a, that's its own episode in the yeah, future. Let's, maybe let's move on. <laughs> Double O. Let's not go down that road. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think I enjoyed it a little bit more. But like when you like mentioned like that stuff, I was like, oh, you know, I, I kind of see it. Like all I know is that Double O has that crazy plot line where like Setsuna becomes an alien at some point, and I don't know how we get there. Oh, like. The whole series kind of builds the idea of like, you know, because it's, you know, it's kind of the whole Gundam, you know, transhumanism forming dialogue with each other and whatnot. And sort of the the tie in with that with double O was like, well, what's the step beyond that is, you know, dialogue with aliens. And they're, they're kind of like a uh, they're like these metallic. I mean, I guess they're probably more symbiotes and parasites, but, you know, that's that's kind of how that happens. So. It uh, makes more sense than, you know, it, it maybe sounds at first glance. Though still weird and polarizing. I, you know, I'll have to... I, what I'll always I'm, remember about Double O Gundam is, I could never be a Gundam. That line <laughs> of dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> That's the well, one commonality between... um. Uh, Setsuna Seye and um, Eric Samaya, they can both say we are Gundam. Yeah, one more literally than the other. That's all I'm gonna say on that. Oh boy! Yeah. So this was this was like one of the novel things about this setting that I think sets it apart. Um, so having the space sphere be controlled by like totalizing private entities or this Ancapistan setting as we've called it before uh what does it get right about increased corporate control and specifically how it exacerbates injustice war etc uh did the setting explore these ideas far enough and how do the fronts compare to anaheim electronics in the uc or morgan wrote in seed for example um, I think it's a bit different than like what we had with, like Anaheim, especially because like Anaheim, like for like a solid thirty years, has like a monopoly 
on uh, everything yeah. you see. Um, whereas, like, here, it's, like, at least kind of, like, divvied up between these corporations that are, like, you know, they're kind of in league with one another, but you get more of that, like, you know, corporate intrigue. Like, let's, you know, let's try to assassinate our president and replace him because we want to. Um, yeah, it doesn't feel like there's as much internal pressure towards that kind of thing. Uh, outcome with Anaheim because it's like they just they're just getting the money. Yeah, and know? it's like it's not until like you know mm-hmm. their CEO gets you know you know their conspiracy is exposed and they're you know thrown into like military prison and unicorn that like it really you know but you know that like that that doesn't really like impact them so it's a little different I think than that. Um, I, I think in general though I think it um, I think it does a good job of like kind of showing like the evils of this kind of system though. And, you know, like you, whether or not people see the parallels with, you know, reality is kind of, you know, up to, I guess, you know, not to say how woke they are, but you know, with how, you know, aware they are of like, you know, actual real injustices and whatnot. But um, I think this, I, I think there was definitely some really powerful themes that were tied with that component of the setting. Well, I'm going to get real political for a second. <laughs> Beer? Really? <laughs> uh, uh, I think, uh, you know, like Anaheim's grip on uh, on the solar system in the UC is kind of more like uh, American big military industrial corporations very Halliburton, yeah, 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 yeah. and it kind of fits it, like the unipolar, you know, kind of dynamic too. Yeah, it's like they're providing arms to both sides of these conflicts a lot, which we have a lot with these big uh, military-industrial corporations that have uh, come out of the United States. You know, you see it all the time where it's like on both sides of the conflict, it's like they're using the same guns and bombs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, so that, I, I think that Anaheim really spoke to, like, that reality. Yeah. Uh, that was, like, arriving at that time. And I think here, it's like, they're kind of speaking to, like, what comes to mind for me is more like, you know, I think about, like, Prigozhin, right? How we've been enabling more and more of these, like, private military corporations to exist worldwide. Mm -hmm. And, like, they're gaining increasing power. And it's, like, one of them has finally made a play for the for the chips. It was only a matter of time. They didn't succeed, but it's also, like, is this going to be a wake-up call that stops any of these co- uh, countries from just continuing to enable these private military corporations? Or are we right. just going to keep doing it knowing that, like, okay, the next time it happens, they probably will succeed, whoever it is. Right? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh or at least there's a much well, higher kind of, likelihood. Well, that is kind of an important distinction too between that, like these and Anaheim is like the only like semblance we get of like kind of them funding both sides, and it is kind of a firm rejection of that, which is that like Donna Fold uses Jatark mobile suits, and the CEO and his son are both very like, what the fuck? Like, why do you have these? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very different, very different vibe in that regard. Kind of like Toyota um, when they found out about the ISIS trucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> arguably, yeah. Um, uh, although they may have known. Um. <laughs> Let's be clear; it's 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 highly likely. It's highly likely. But also, I <laughs> in mean, both maybe, cases. maybe maybe 
Jetturk nuance. I mean, maybe the CEO didn't know, but like maybe people. Yeah, it, yeah there could have been right? someone it's, under. It, it's it's very likely in the same. You know, it's not. It probably well, with Anaheim, it's explicit. Like yeah, back like, to back to ISIS. You know, it's with with Toyota. It's like it probably wasn't the CEO of Toyota that was like, right. yeah, let's sell to ISIS, right? But there's probably some guy at a relatively high level that was like, hmm, these trucks are going to ISIS. Well, it's a big order. I'm signing on it. <laughs> um, uh, and it's like, you know, Jet Turk may have had the same thing going on, right? Where there's some mm -hmm. guy at a relatively high management level that was like, well, these are going to the Donna Fold, but it's a big sale. I'm just going to approve it. Um, yeah. I 100% uh, believe in this timeline. They, they sell these mobile suits like they do at car dealerships. I'm 100% convinced. Oh, probably. Um, so, yeah, I think I think like the the vibe of like private military corporations was really present here, uh, and and just that that sort of feeling I felt strongly. Uh, um, I think um, I think they did a good job with the Ancapistan setting. Like, I think they did a good job in regards to like they showed that like yeah, it won't all be bad but mm. it'll be bad for a lot of people you know <laughs> like kind of kind of vibe that i think is very accurate and it, and i also think they did a good job of just emphasizing that it's like this is kind of a return to feudalism like but i also think that simultaneously they didn't lean into that too hard right because like you could just be like, go way harder into like, look, it's feudalism, it's feudalism. Mm -hmm. But I, I think they did a, a good job of being like, this is its own unique thing. It's not like other things, you know, this well, sort of Pakistan thing, but it has try... aspects of other things. And they did try to portray like a tent, like, um, you know, some of the more forceful attempts to change the system as like, you know, worse than the disease itself um of you know the you know and uh and capitalism um whatnot so like it's kind of like i i kind of it you know it's critical of it for sure but it's not um you know it, it definitely is not exactly a you know in favor of and i need to be fair i mean gov uh gundam in general is not really like super pro revolutionary they're always kind of you know given sort of a, a bad tinge uh in the series so yeah i think when it comes to like how they handle politics and political themes in this series you know gundam can never be 100 percent explicit about what they're trying to say or what it needs it's good to, like, at showing you what's bad but not exactly good at, like, proposing like a solution and, and that's the thing is like to be honest like should media like this be giving people a solution? I don't necessarily believe so. However, mm -hmm. I think what they, where the series shined was like showing the social stratification in like the society as a result. So like the way like the Spatian kids like all bully like Earth House, yeah, um, and like how they're kind of seen as like, like like really like uh grubs for showing up and like them having any aspirations at all is like laughable and then even when you go to the earth sphere specifically like well, the parts we do see are like deindustrialized and like it, it it's like you could tell that the cash is not on earth and like there's very little like mm -hmm. res like you know financial resources on earth left 
So people have to turn to alternative means to like resist. And then even like the earth government that's there is like understandably hostile to, to Mirine because it's like, yeah, okay, cool. You feel guilty. So you came here. What does that do for me? It makes complete sense. But at the same time, it's like, I was worried they were going to go on this weird route of like, it's bad to, to, you know, like, uh, to fight back. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, we shouldn't be sympathetic to people who resist. And I think they avoided going down that road. Yeah. yeah. In the sense, like, again, like, I wish they spent more time on, like, exploring how this, like, resistance movement on Earth works. But I think, like, you know, they could have dwelled on it too long and then also made, like, a really bad political point about it, too. So they actually avoided doing that. Yeah, and I mean, and, like, there's still, like, weird kind of honestly bothersome implications with them right where it's like you know like you're we're kind of sympathetic to like you know dawn of fold a little bit in the sense that like mm-hmm. you know yeah like they're sort of downtrodden and oppressed like and you know we're, we're sympathetic to that but at the same time they um like i mean they employ child soldiers um right and in like through a pretty unethical means and like they don't like I I don't think like Sophie and Noria were like necessarily explicitly cyber new types or like whatever the equivalent would be, but they're like heavily coded as such, right? With their personalities and their fates draw very heavy parallels with like every other character that fell into those categories. Um, So it's like kind of like, you know, like, hey, like maybe the head of this terrorist organization doesn't, you know, deserve like a pat on the back at the end of the series. Like, you know, we didn't really, you know, interrogate the idea that like you know this was pretty unethical regardless of you know how you feel about the people they were fighting like you know you used these kids in a really awful way yeah i kind of wish they spent just a little more time on explaining the the witches from earth as they're called yeah maybe, maybe just more again we have a We'll probably get to this when we ask what the fuck is permit, but they they keep saying the word witch. I don't know what they mean by that, other than like. So um, it, the witch. Well, just I think seemed... that's intentional. I don't think witch is meant to like have like a, a like a one defined meaning per se. It, it was used interchangeably mm. to refer to Gundam pilots and Gundam developers. Yeah, uh, I, re- I recall that much at least. Yeah, and also anyone just kind of with any relationship to those things to some extent could maybe just kind of at a certain point, especially. Um, I, I I thought I thought actually like the slightly loose use of it was great because it's like it's just this word of persecution to an extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. Um, I mean, the Earth I, Girls, I, I had... owned it a little bit more, but uh, it's definitely used a little more persecutory by everyone else. Yeah. Um, I, I had definitely also hoped that they might explore the Earth, which is just a teeny tiny bit more. Um, but I honestly, I was just excited because I had been speculating about there being more witches <laughs> uh, when when they showed up. Uh, I was just so thrilled. <clears throat> um and I, I also just like towards the end when it's like Gundams just start falling out of everybody's pockets. Yeah. Like, like yeah. honestly, like that could have been like dumb, but it felt right. It felt like, 
Okay, yeah, we're all revealing that we've been secretly holding on to a Gundam, okay? Fuck it. We've all had one. All right? Are you happy? And it was just like, I don't know. I loved that, actually, as like a, like, something no, especially about when that the, uh, um, very God, real. What's, what's that last one? The, um, uh... The Chaturk one, especially, where it's the just Schwarzette? like the Schwarzette. Yeah, Schwarzette, where she's just where Prosper's like, oh yeah, you know, of course we're developing this. Like, you know, that was you know, Gundam, it, duh. Yeah, like you should in fact you should show it off um <laughs> to sell more of them. Um we're not working on nukes. Do you have a nuke? I got one. You got one? I got one. It's it's like <laughs> It's a uh, what, what series was that? That was um, Stardust Memory, right? Yeah, Stardust Memory. It's like we're not working on nukes. It, you you have a nuke right here. Oh, that's us. <laughs> Shit. Oh, oops, my bad. You you working would, on nukes? I, I always loved the. Uh, I mean, this is a little bit of tangent with that series, but I always loved how they they took the moral high ground of like. We they they violated the treaty, so we stole their nuke, and we're going to use it against <laughs> them. <laughs> it's like not not exactly a moral high ground to take, but you know, fair not enough. exactly. No, they were wild for that one. Okay, um, so another theme that came up a lot in this series: transhumanism. Um, admittedly, it's somewhat of a bogeyman concept for me, just because um, the way our modern tech gurus are applying the concept, it looks scary with stuff like Neuralink um, mm-hmm. and like mind wiping considerations. It seems odd. Um, but in this series, it's explored more so as a means of medical technology, um, as well as one where it can also be applied to warfare and preserving consciousness in life and death. So. Does the show make any significant points on these themes? And then to that end, too, um, does the permit system, as shown on the series, does it make sense or appeal as a Gundam gimmick? So I think um, I thought the transhumanism wasn't necessarily explored nearly as deeply as it could have been. Well, and it's been explored in so many Gundam works. Um, yeah, I mean, much like more explicitly. Yeah, like you got things like Thunderbolt that get way more mm. into that. Um, uh, but I did, I liked that it was relatively presented as like a positive here, where it was like, hey, maybe, you know, it would be good if we replaced somebody's arm if they lost an arm. You know, yeah, but, and um, I did like that there was a little bit more of like a direct medical application discussed here, whereas a lot of them, it's like, you know, occasionally there's like a character who'll be like, oh, you know, we, we're we're developing mobile suits for good, and it's like, well, what does that mean? Um, but here it was like, oh, well, like this technology can be used for like prosthetics and you know maybe some other fun stuff. Yeah, and I think they also did a good job of just demonstrating that, you know, mobile suits could be used for work in some background scenes a little bit. Yeah. So it kind of just drove home the point that it's like, you know, maybe these don't have to be weapons of war. Um, as far as permit goes, my sense of permit is that in in the UC, they they have a lot of, like, a, several different complex themes that all kind of come together in these ways that allow these like sort of crazy things to happen in 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 the uc that 
can be very just like, what the fuck is even going on to people that don't know what, you know, haven't seen enough of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think that Permit was an attempt to kind of distill a lot of the complex ideas of the UC down. Uh, uh, where it's like, um, you know, in the UC, you have these several different overlapping technologies that lead to some of the things that come later. And it's like permit is kind of like, I saw it as like a way to try to kind of sidestep all of these complex technologies their need to be developed and say, well, there's this thing called permit and that can uh, kind of provide like psychometry type effects. Yeah. Yeah. I think it had, um, it was like kind of mixing like the phenomenon of like kind of like new types and like new type ability, right? With mm-hmm. um, like the Minovsky particles that are like everywhere in UC, which are kind of like it, it's why they needed like psychic technology because it was like the only thing that could actually kind of like pierce the veil of them because like everything just uses Minovsky particles for everything, like to communicate, to stop communications, to move mobile suits uh properly uh to power them um so i think it's kind of a mix of that it felt a little similar um in terms of like how it was used um by the gundams like because i mean they they established uh i think relatively late that like everything uses it um that might have been established earlier too but i i only really recall them bringing emphasis to it later um but I think for, like, the Gundams explicitly where, like, you know, they kind of have that, like, kind of weird, you know, effect on their pilots, right, where they're, like, exposed to the data storm. It felt very similar to, like, the uh, uh, Alia Vinya system in IBO, which is, like, a much more grotesque body horror version of it. Yeah. Uh, right. Where, you know, they've had this, like, you know, procedure where they've got, like, you know, basically, like, a data jack in their spine to, like, directly control... Um, you know, machinery and whatnot. And that kind of felt like a bit of what they were going for with it. Um, so I think it's, it you know, kind of your confusion, I think is largely rooted in the fact that it's, it's kind of just this end all be all thing. Uh, you know, it's like quiet zero as well, of course, right. Is sort of predicated on the fact that everything uses this. So it can just shut down machines at will um maybe do other stuff too uh that we don't you know totally get yeah to see, it was kind of like if you turn minovsky particles up to 11 yeah in mm. some ways but also like i say it's like it's you're combining aspects of other uc technology like because for instance uh in in the uc uh uh you know one of the defining changes is when they uh they start making mobile suits where it's like the entire thing is thinking the entire thing has like you have like you know uh processors dispersed throughout the entire yeah like the psycho there. frame yeah and it's which like, also kind of ties into how it, the permits used at the end too like when we get like the little like you know here's all the dead people um right that's very much uh particularly narrative delves heavily into the idea that like you know we can like that human will can sort of yeah. survive within the you know machine or you know parts of the machine or whatever there was mm-hmm. definitely an aspect of this that felt like narrative gundam for sure yeah 
Um, yeah, narrative and yeah. unicorn, especially like, like especially like, near the end. Like, I mean, there's a lot of people who've done uh, some like you know little compilations where like when the Caliburn shows up, it's virtually identical to I think the ending of episode six of Unicorn. Yeah, um, and stuff like that. There's a lot of parallels, of course. You know when the um, space laser. I don't. I can't remember what they called it in this. I think it was an energy transfer. Yeah, thing that they're just like we're just weaponizing it. Like we're <laughs> weaponizing. Um, but the way that gets shut down is very similar to you know what happened and and blocked is very similar to stuff that happens in Unicorn. Like it's like a lot of stuff was like very much like okay, we're we're doing this again. And uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Unicorn, so I wasn't going to complain, but I was like, oh hey, like you know, it, it felt like you know, like comfort food in some ways. Yeah. Totally. I can't wait to get to Unicorn when I get to it. I'm oh, finally so making some headway in ZZ. So, like, mm. as soon as I'm done with Double Zeta, as soon I'm putting <laughs> on Unicorn. Uh, let's keep it moving just because I, I do have a bit of a time obligation. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're almost done here. So, yeah. Um, and actually, we covered this part, so we can leave that. So, okay. Well, I, I, I do appreciate. Uh, Part of your uh, outline has not aged the best. Um, with the yeah, let's, uh, let's get into that. themes uh, as the first Gundam series to openly make a queer yeah, turns relationship. Out, <laughs> turns out uh, life comes back uh, comes at you fast when you're making outlines. So I initially wrote this as as the first Gundam series to openly make a queer relationship a feature of the show and plot. What did they get right slash wrong, and what treatment of gender are we getting in which from Mercury versus other series now? After uh, I wrote this outline, um, a statement comes out from Bandai specifically. So not no one, not the show, but from Bandai, who owned the the rights to Gundam, uh, say, you know, we didn't we didn't say formally that they're gay. So stop saying it. That's fundamentally what they said. Yeah, that it's up for they they said it's up for interpretation. <laughs> How the fuck else am I supposed to interpret that? I think, I think it's worth noting, not that it makes it okay in any way that they said it, but that they said it after there was pressure to censor parts yes. of the ending in some places. Yes. Mm. So I think like it, it it it's a blow for like a honestly, it's very frustrating. Uh, uh for them to for them to do this shit but uh, i just think it's worth noting that it's like they're probably doing it to try to do damage control because uh, and I you think know and, and i don't think that makes it right i'm just saying right that, that, and it's it's like i mean not to like you know you know celebrate this but like it's a relatively progressive walk back compared to like what i've seen a lot of other companies do in similar situations where it's like it's up for interpretation so like obviously like it's kind of trying to have their cake and eat it too where it's like for people who want it to be gay it's gay for people who don't want it to be yes they have wed they have wedding rings in the last episode and uh you don't see anyone else in their relationship so you know who knows um you know i suppose you could imagine some you know something else if you're really that homophobic well in the three interim years this is what Hey, I mean, I guess, you know, three years is a long time. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I see that's just kind of silly. Well, but, you well, know. Here's, here's another thing that, like, I just wanted to get at, right? It's like, 
we've talked about like sexual undertones in Gundam, and like Gundam is pretty well known for having like explicit sexual undertones in a lot of especially series. Especially when Tomino's at the helm. Especially when Tomino's at the helm, exactly. But then in yeah. this series, it's like again, they're all students, they're all and like I appreciated that they chose not to sexualize any characters. Like I thought it yeah. was pretty cool. Um I'm not against like again, I'm I'm not a sex negative person, so I'm not saying that like it's inherently better because of that, but it's like again, they're they're all underage characters. Let's not focus on that. But at the same time, what that allows you to do then is like point out that like in all relationships, heterosexual or not, hom- uh, homosexual or not, wherever you are on the spe- on the spectrum of it all, right, is like relationships are about emotions, emotionality, communication, um, how people's personal lives and life stories intersect and intermingle with one another. And in the case of this series, you have um, this immense conflict between Soleta and Murene, where they both have to like critically examine who they are as people, come to terms with the fact that they're not who they expected themselves to be, that whatever sense they had for themselves has to be reexamined, that the way they relate to one another has to be reexamined, and they yep. reconcile at the end of it. That's... That's kind of what, you, like, you know, all human connections about. Um, it's very gay that it happened in the way that it did. That's just what I'm going to say. It's like, I'm sorry that yeah. that's it happened in a very gay way. So you can't erase that. But no. also, silly. A- at the same time, it's like, yeah, there's more to being gay than just gay sex, and that's like right, what right. I hate about like I'm I, I just I'm sorry to vet, like to rant, but it's like. Everyone fixates on gay intercourse to the point that they forget that like there's so much more going on than just that. Well, and that's I think that's always been kind of the, the way to like make it you know seem more deviant, right? It is kind yeah. of fixating on that, and I kind of appreciated the innocence of this, right? Because it really wasn't. I mean, like other than like uh, you know kind of a joke about you know when Mirren called uh, Soleta sex crazed early on, like you know there's not like you know nothing felt particularly sexual from like any of the relationships exactly. in this show, right. like straight yeah. or gay, like none of them felt like particularly sexual in nature. They all seem to be kind of coming from a place of uh, primarily, you know, emotional connection, whether that be through some type of empathy or just through, you know, uh, you know, the bond that had been, you know, had, had grown between two characters and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I thought it was decent. Um, they really could have done a bit more with some of it, but as far like I can't really think of in particular anything in anime that has yeah. handled LGBTQs better. Um, like everything else is like more weird or more closeted or more fucked up or something. Mm-hmm. There was some stuff uh, I was seeing like clips circulate of in the wake of this controversy where it was like. This very like ironic and making fun of it, where it was just like like the girls in it were like sleeping together, like in the same bed, and where they're like, "Oh hey, roommate, wink, wink," type stuff, where it was just like very much like just coded as like kind of like an fu to like you know their higher ups or whatever. Um, but yeah, in general, like I was gonna say, like, and I, I obviously I haven't seen that show firsthand. Just some clips um, here and there, but uh, and I don't like, want to completely discount. I know that there's a little bit of like explicitly queer anime that I've never seen. Sure, there's very little. 
Yeah, and especially in the mainstream, there's just you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, uh, homosexuality is still dicey in Japan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you have to. You can't. You can't be like I forgive everything about the treatment because of the context, but I think putting it in the context of the culture is like, well, it's pretty progressive considering what a lot of the media coming out of Japan is like. <laughs> um, and uh, it's it wasn't perfect, but it it was decent. It was decent in terms of the handling, and uh, it sucks that we're in this dumb situation now where folks want to be upset about it and it, I, it it's even more frustrating because it's not all that explicit like i think like mm-hmm. it, it, it could have and should have been a tiny bit more explicit um I, I why didn't we get to see their wedding right right like come on you know like or at least like a photo of it show us so show us like one of them looking through the photo album of the wedding you don't, we don't even have to see them kiss. Like, I just want to see them hold hands and walk down the aisle in a, <laughs> in a photograph in a scrapbook. And, and, and I would be, you know, a, a little bit more satisfied. Um, <clears throat> it felt like they just kind of didn't really go as far as they should have, basically. So really all I can sum up. And then, like I say, then to have a controversy arise out of this ending is even more frustrating when it's like, they really didn't go that far uh, in terms of like, they could have been way more explicit. They could have been way more queer about it. That's just like, that's always the problem, right? Whenever you like give any ground in terms of like, you know, like them kind of trying to give it like a slightly vague ending <laughs> is like, even if you give any ground, like the people who hate you are going to just come be mad anyway. Right. So, uh, so you shouldn't give any ground. We should have seen Suleta and Miorian get married. Don't know what to say. <laughs> I, I, I agree with that assessment. And it's like, the thing is, is like where Gundam's shines aside from, cool robot is also like it fundamentally is a tale about like um human beings and how they relate to one another i guess you can say that about anything haha but it's like (laughs) you know like tomino says that as much a lot of the gundam creators like when they speak about their work they speak on speak about in that sense and like you know tomino to his credit even is like yeah char and amuro i I wrote them to look gay what did you want and, yeah. and it's like, again, like the, it, when they started with new types as the gimmick back in the day of like people with these like pseudo like psychic abilities reaching across, across space to like connect with one another. Right. Like in this deep, lonely sense that like comes with living in space. Right. It understands something about the human condition that, that sets it apart from like other anime and sci-fi fair, in my opinion. Yeah, and this series, to its credit as well, like wrote its like interpersonal drama very, very well, and all the characters grow 
because of how they relate to one another and like their actions in those processes, right? So to to erase the the fig leaf of um of gayness that was in this series in this series with like a catch-all term. I get it. They have to, you know, do CYA in an environment like that. I get it, but it's it, you you hate to see it, folks. You hate to see it. Yeah, frustrating. So, we'll probably get to our final uh, discussion points, uh, and we can we can probably wrap this up then. So, war, trauma, and hardship. These are essential themes in Gundam, and generally in past series, we've seen protagonists endure these as active combatants. This time, we're seeing them as essentially civilians. I don't even think a war is ever fully declared at any point in the series. So, does this um, setup change anything for this series? Um, I think it, it helps kind of contrast it. Uh, and not only, like, I mean, like, the civilian thing, you know, a lot of the series kind of play off the idea that, like, these are sort of civilian soldiers, right? They're sort of forced to take up arms in conflict. Right. Whereas, in this one, like, really, like, Suleta never becomes, like, a soldier, right? I mean, like, I mean, like, and, like, I mean do we necessarily even consider, like, her going into the caliber and is becoming a combatant either right i mean it's if anything she's almost on like an opposite trajectory of a lot of gundam protagonists yeah and i mean like, she... like they're like reluctantly getting in the gundam and they're upset about it at first she comes in here like i love the gundam the gundam rules yeah the gundam is my family <laughs> literally uh, and figuratively uh, family and then, and then later you know it's like later on she's like i don't want to be a soldier anymore um uh I've never been anything but a soldier my whole life so far. Uh what's going on? You know, it's like kind of a opposite like it I like that that's kind of an opposite storytelling and I think that that provides an insight into some different kinds of views, right? Cuz it's like a lot of times it's like the it's sort of the how do you go from being a civilian to needing to do something like this and in the case of a lot of Gundam series like it feels very necessary when these folks take up arms right like uh uh when uh uh when he gets in the Gundam and Unicorn it's like he's going to die if he doesn't pilot that Gundam yeah and when i i think uh, what was what was cool here is that like, we still have some of the like civilian to soldier transitions like with like ghoul right i mean kind of right like, and like and i think it's interesting right because it's what made him stand out so much right is that like he went on that journey but like pretty very few other characters did right he's the one who actually goes into um you know three different active combat zones of people trying to kill him um you know for one reason or another and you know that's different because it's like all the other students don't really get that i mean they get to experience like kind of the victimhood of you know the the rumble ring and then later uh noria's um you know little dilemma um but you know i think right. that was what kind of um helped too is that you have like this more you, you get like more variety in that perspective um, as well, compared to, you know, the other series where it's kind of like, you know, they're all, um, 
you know, in, in the original series, like they're all kind of thrown into this situ the same situation and they cope with it a little differently. Um, yeah. So much more I, homogenized experience. I, I like that, you know, there was some, some look into the like, well, what does it mean to have been a soldier for a long time? And then you're trying to deprogram from that, that we got with Suleta. Cause that was mm -hmm. kind of unique. Uh, to Gundam, I, I don't, I can't think of anything else in Gundam that quite parallels that. Um, uh, maybe a few things that have mild similarities, but for the most part, uh, like a couple characters in Wing that kind of go through some transitions, but, um, but for the most part, like there's not much in Gundam that really parallels that, where it's like, Suleta's has really been a soldier from birth. Um. And she's not a reluctant soldier when we meet her. She's an eager soldier. Like, she's fully indoctrinated and ready to do whatever it takes. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, she's like, wait, maybe I don't want that anymore. How do I get out of that? And I think that, like I said, it's just like that question of how do we deprogram people from violence. If we hope to move towards a more peaceful society, we're going to have to think about that a lot. Because there's all these people in our society that are trained for violence right now. And we've got to untrain them from that way of thinking. Uh, so I definitely thought that was like a, a, a uniquely explored theme here that was different. I think that's spot on. Very good points, everyone. I think, yeah, I had one final point, but we basically covered this in, like, uh, some of our earlier discussion. So that that pretty much covers everything I had planned in our outline. Um, any other thoughts from anyone? I mean, I'll just say it's a great series. Uh, really, I think this is a great entry point for somebody who's never watched a Gundam before, wants to give it a shot. There's a lot to like for a lot of different people. Um, and uh, I really, it, 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 it makes me excited for the future of Gundam because uh, there's been so much Gundam already and you kind of think at a certain point like, how much room do they have to run? Uh, this series made me feel like there's still plenty of room for Gundam to go for many more decades of storytelling. Yeah, 100%. I think that, um, yeah, I, I mean, this is, I, I, it's definitely, I think it's, it's up there. Um, top 10, probably top five best series for me. Um, you yeah, know, I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed this one, and I think it, it's it's a really strong entry um, into the franchise. It's a good entry to start with, and I think you know, um, Gundam was in kind of like a weird place, uh, you know, and more recently, like IBO. I didn't really care for it much, and I, and I've, from what I understand, especially in Japan, that series was like really controversial, and like it was. Speaking of like needing a new audience with this series, apparently I read that there were some episodes that weren't viewed by anyone under the age of twenty. Um, which is like kind of wild for like what we sort of nominally see as like you know at least kid adjacent space, right? Um, mm -hmm. uh, but you know I think it's I'm I'm really curious to see where they go with this. Um, 
and uh you know i think it's it's definitely like good to see kind of like the sort of au gundams go in like a i think a more positive direction than i think where they had been in the past few entries totally agree and i'm glad also i just want to say really quickly that you mentioned that this is like a top five gundam it's definitely i think this might even be like my number two it didn't dethrone unicorn okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> uh uh but um I think that you know it's worth noting it's like it's a great entry point but this is also a great series if you've seen a lot of Gundam. Yeah. It does a lot of things that are meant to please the the viewer who is also a longtime fan and I also think that's worth noting. I will admit though the the one thing and like it didn't bother me and I don't think it bothered any of us if you're like going into Gundam because you really like mechas and you want to see a lot of mecha action, this might not be the series for you. <laughs> it was definitely far more character driven than it was driven by um, mobile suit combat. I know there was a lot of memes about Choo Choo's Demi Trainer and or not Demi Trainer, the uh, Demi Barding and its uh, lack of doing really anything. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if that's something that you're, you're I mean, I, I, in my opinion, it's a little bit more shallow, but if that's something that really, you know, bothers you, then, you know, there might be a better point of entry into the franchise, but I would still recommend this show. I think there's still some really good action when it's there. It's just not, you know, nearly as much of a focal point. Yeah. The joke, the joke I have with my partner about Gundam is like, it's usually like 70% interpersonal drama and then 30% big robot fight. Yeah. I think this one might have been close to like 20, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 20, maybe, you know, 10. (laughs) It's for the second season. Uh, The second season. There's still a few good robot fights, but yeah, Yeah. it's not, it's, 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 I mean, I think more than makes up for like, you know the lack of them. I think that that fight was definitely a major highlight in the second season. Ghoul versus Shadik literally gave gave me um, Amuro versus Char in the final battle of um, DCA. It gave me that vibe. A bit, yeah. It's a good vibe. Yeah, like not definitely not in the sense of like we're trying to stop this asteroid from hitting Earth, but in the sense of like, you know, we are inexorably trauma bonded from our time together and like <laughs> there's no other way for this to shake out other than like one of us wins yeah um yeah i definitely think like you know this this is probably a top five series um it you know i wish it was longer but to its credit it didn't overstay its welcome and i guess that's yep. you know something to be appreciated these days um and i think like uh it's ease of entry for people who are like, you know, well, I'd like to watch Gundam, um, but I don't know where to start. Yeah. Or, um, you know, it's like, I, I would just like to add some new anime to the rotation. Perfect for that. I'd also say, um, if you're not the biggest fan of anime for certain tropes, it's pretty trope averse, I'd say. So you could probably like, you know, put this in your rotation. If you're not an anime fan, I'd reckon. Um, all in all, though, I think this was a pretty good discussion on this series. Um, yeah, maybe it comes back for some kind of sequel movie or side story. Let's see what happens. But 
I'd then. almost like to see more of like just like the um you know, maybe some of the side characters explore more. Like I'm I'm content with like where like Mirren and Suleta left off and like For sure, for sure. You know, it's like, yeah, let them have their happy ending. We don't need to like, you know, ruin their lives or anything like that to like create a sequel. Um, but you know, it's like uh, you know, to create the appropriate drama for a sequel. But uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, there's probably some characters that you could like, you know, follow through on them or just follow new characters too, right? I mean, that's kind of the the route like Zeta went way back when and you know obviously it continued the story of something. Yeah, I'd be perfectly happy for a brand new show in Ad Astra where we just we see Suleta and Miorin holding hands at a cafe you know for one moment or whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's like, do a double Zeta a, and not a, a uh, in an ambiguously gay kind of way. But uh Yeah, in an ambiguous they might just be friends. Yeah. Uh, and they were friends. Uh, yeah, I think there's definitely a couple of characters that you feel like a sense they could maybe, especially I think like if they did something that spun off some of the Earth House crew a few years later, that's kind of an easy layup, you know. There's there's some easy wins like that just sitting there, so easy, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if they go for it. The question is, when will it come out? Will it be ten years from now? <laughs> yeah that's 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 the mystery to it isn't it <laughs> that's that, that that's the fun thing about media these days is like oh is this revival gonna come back amid the uh amid the climate crisis let's find out <laughs> we'll see i guess oh gosh something to watch as the ocean boils <laughs> Try not to let that one get to me. Uh, <laughs> well, it was it was a blast discussing this with both of you. Um, Kennedy, you're not on Twitter anymore, so where can people find you? Well, if you're on Blue Sky, I'm on there. Uh, Kennedy T. Cooper at blah 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 whatever. Yeah, I'll put the, I'll put the link in the uh, description as well. Uh. I'm on Instagram, but I don't always post there a lot. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe if more people followed me there, I might be a little more motivated to post there more than like once a week. Uh, I don't know. Doesn't matter. <laughs> you don't need to follow me. Fine. Don't yeah. follow. See what happens. Yeah. You'll miss out on banger on banger skeets. Now we're calling them skeets instead of tweets. God. <laughs> uh, I thought they were. Ju- I thought they were just posts on there because, like, I know there was like the whole thing where he's like, "Oh, you know, it's it's an uh, you can say that like you know it's an X post or whatever," but it's like like all the vernacular that he wants to use for the site, all like is completely devoid of meaning. Where he's like. Oh, I liked the ex the post from my ex girlfriend, and it's like, well, one if you have a like a even if you had like a Twitter girlfriend, that's pretty pathetic. Um, versus versus you know a real one, um, but I don't I don't know. This is I I'm still on Twitter. I guess you know that's my my thing. I mean my my stuff's we, not there. I'll probably try to make a the jump to blue sky. I can't. Given that you know part of my dissertation it uses Twitter data, I can't really just like forsake the website entirely. I guess until it you know finally goes up in a ball of flames. But 
there's that. Uh, I don't really use my Instagram. It's just cats. So, you know, if, if you're into that, I guess, you know, you can follow me there too, but. We'll, we'll see about plugging Instagram. I'll, I was thinking about, do we make an Instagram for the podcast page with the Twitter's collapse going on? But we'll have to think that over. We did get um, the podcast on Blue Sky, though, so I will include that link as well. Follow us there. Um, and we will be on Twitter until uh, it explodes. It's very weird doing plugs, not knowing if your social media uh, website is going to stay up or not. So just stay tuned. That's all I can say. Um, and then I'll have the links for all our sites that aren't going downhill um, in our description as well. Uh, all please, the websites please. that didn't pay a guy $2,000 for posting child sexual exploitation material. Dear God. Yeah. And, and please, please donate to the show so Adi can finally afford to uh, pay for the blue check mark. <laughs> joking, of course. Uh, no, this is, a, <laughs> this is a free show. In fact, in fact, we should be paying our listeners for putting up with us. <laughs> Yeah, that no, was a joke. That, he, let's he let's not say that. that. Let's not say that because then someone's going to really ask. Let's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again for tuning in, dear listeners. I'll have all of our links in the in the description. And uh, thanks again to Kennedy and Josh uh, for coming through for this one once again. Wow. So, Always a pleasure. Till next time, dear listener, take care.